1: Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick.
0: With
2: every sunrise. He expresses a personal relationship with the shepherd. That, in other words, the Lord is not some distant God, He is not some impersonal force or some far removed being, but the Lord is my shepherd. And he cares for us and he is intimately acquainted with us. Even though there are seven and a half billion people on the planet, God knows you by name. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He loves you and he cares about you as an individual. The Lord is my shepherd.
1: This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Psalms, the Lord is a personal shepherd. In today's message from Pastor Gary, he teaches us that David saw God as his personal shepherd. In Psalms 23, David said, the Lord is my shepherd. God is our personal shepherd. He not only cares for his entire flock, but cares for the individuals. He cares for us, knows us, and called us by name before we were born. Our God is not a distant God or far removed. He loves each and every one of us uniquely. Spend time this week praising and thanking God for being your personal Lord and Shepherd. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in Psalms chapter 23 for part one of today's message titled, The Song of a Shepherd.
2: We are continuing today's part two, ...of a three-part series through the 23rd Psalm. A series that I've entitled, The Song of a Shepherd. The Song of a Shepherd. Psalm 23, probably one of, if not the most familiar psalm of all the psalms. This chapter is written as an analogy. It is an analogy about how we are like sheep... ...and God is like a shepherd who lovingly, tenderly cares for us. Psalm 23 was written by David... And long before David became a king, David was a shepherd. So he knows a thing or two about sheep, their disposition, their habits, their likes, their dislikes. And he knows a thing or two about being a shepherd since he was one long before he became a king. But because we are not as familiar with sheep or shepherding, I thought it would be good for us to get schooled a little bit about sheep and understand them so that we can appreciate psalm 23 so i'm not going to spend as much time this week as i did last week but just by way of review this is a picture of you and me right here we are like sheep the bible describes us like sheep it is not necessarily an endearing term but it is to remind us that we have many similarities to sheep since that analogy is used many times throughout the bible not just here in psalm 23. last week i mentioned you these four things Sheep are basically senseless, defenseless, fearful, and dirty. That is to say, they are dumb. They can't defend themselves. They don't have sharp claws or fangs or, uh, you know, a growl. They can't run fast or swim. They are fearful of everything. They're downright neurotic. And uh, because they secrete this oil, lanolin, everything sticks to their wool like Velcro. So they are these things, senseless, defenseless, fearful, and dirty, and much more. But because they are these things, particularly the first three, because they are senseless and defenseless and fearful, it creates a natural bond between sheep and shepherd, where the sheep understand their complete dependence on a shepherd. And this is the kind of thing that God wants with us. God wants us to understand our complete need for him and how dependent we should be on him. And God wants that special bond between Sheep and shepherd in our lives as well. So that's kind of the tenor of Psalm 23. It's the reason why David begins verse 1 by saying the Lord is my shepherd. He makes this a very personal psalm. All throughout the entire chapter of Psalm 23, David writes in very endearing terms, very affectionate terms, even really from the perspective of the sheep towards the shepherd. And so wonderful language, a a wonderful chapter, but because it is so rich in, in these analogies, there's no way we could work through it in just simply one week. So we're going to take two weeks, and today is week two out of the three-part series. Now... Just by way of review, for those of you who weren't with us last week, I just want to highlight real quickly the first couple of verses we studied together last week. Verse 1 being, the Lord is my shepherd. That's the first part of verse 1. Again, the word my there is important. David personalizes this. He expresses a personal relationship with the shepherd. That, In other words, the Lord is not some distant God. He is not some impersonal force. Or some far removed being, but the Lord is my shepherd and he cares for us and he is intimately acquainted with us. Even though there are seven and a half billion people on the planet, God knows you by name. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He loves you and he cares about you as an individual. The Lord is my shepherd. And then he adds in the rest of verse one, therefore I shall not want... A shepherd never ignores the needs of his sheep. And once we realize how much God cares about us, loves us, provides for us, uh, we can realize that in the Lord, therefore, then we have no need of anything else. I mean, God will supply all our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus, that we we have no need of anything else because we have the Lord. Once we have the Lord, we really have everything. And so God will take care of all the other miscellaneous stuff. But the most important thing is having him and knowing him because once you know him, You lack no good thing when you know the good shepherd. And so that's what David is saying here. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. And because he's my shepherd, I have no want of anything. And then verse 2 and 3, David goes on to write, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters and he restores my soul. And these words about green pastures and still waters, it's a very pastoral picturesque scene and it is intended to be that way it's intended to communicate that there's satisfaction there and then there is solitude there and there is contentment there you know picture green pastures and still waters it's a very peaceful scene there and that's what david is writing here with the lord it is it is a place of contentment it is a place of satisfaction in knowing him Because people will go in search of all kinds of things in this world trying to find satisfaction. And nothing can satisfy the deepest longings of your soul like a relationship with Jesus Christ. And people will find that out sometimes the hard way. But this whole scene about making me to lie down in green pastures, leading me beside still waters, it's a picture of the Lord's, what he provides in terms of his fulfillment and contentment and satisfaction in our lives. And then... At the, uh, at the end of last week, we looked at the first part of verse 3 where it says that he restores my soul. And the word restores, of course, implies that something is old or broken and defective and it needs to be restored. You know, like you restore an old car, you restore an old piece of furniture. And the truth is there are broken lives. There are broken marriages. There are broken family relationships. And our good shepherd is the restorer of broken things. And he takes those things that are broken and he makes them whole. He makes them brand new again. In fact, I received this wonderful email during the week where, you know, at the end of last week's study, I invited people to come forward and just, you know, if you need, if you need restoration of your soul because you don't know Christ as your Savior, come forward, receive Christ. If you're, maybe there's a marriage or a family relationship that is broken and you need the Lord's restoration. So many people came forward in both services and... We just had a wonderful time of prayer. And then during the week, I got this email, and I'm going to share it with permission, although keeping the names anonymous, but but this is what I received. I think you'll be encouraged by it. It says, Dear Pastor Gary, thank you for your message of restoration this past Sunday. Our family has been ravaged by the disease of drug addiction, which has broken our family apart. We have been praying for our children, and one in particular, who we have been trying to get to face issues and to see that she needs to go to a treatment center for help. When we heard your call to come to the front of the church for prayers to restore relationships, my family was moved to come forward. I had never done that before and always had been a little reluctant, but somehow felt different this past Sunday. Feeling God's presence from your words and from the prayers of the congregation which you called for was something I will never forget and always be grateful for. Our child was not with us, and we had been separated for some time. But then she called that afternoon, asking for help and agreeing to come home and go somewhere for help. I don't think it was coincidence she called the very Sunday we stepped forward to ask for prayers. Our prodigal child has returned. Though broken and hurting, she is ready to be restored. Praise be to God. That's the kind of thing that God does, and sometimes not as quickly as that, but how wonderful it was that that very afternoon after this family stepped forward and prayed and committed their relationship to the Lord and their family relationship to the Lord and how, how God has been moving now in this family. So. So pray for them. Well, let me read through Psalm 23 once again as we start today's study. And and today we're going to be looking at verses 3 and 4, but I'm going to read all of the 23rd Psalm. And again, I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version because this classic psalm needs a little King James to sound right, right? So here we go. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Well, let's look at where we left off from last week. If you look at the last part of verse 3, this verse says, He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Circle again or highlight in, in your Bibles the word me. Because again, I think it's important that we understand how David makes this deeply personal, as should we. He says, he leads me. ...in the paths of righteousness. Typically, back in the day when David was shepherding... ...and even true today for shepherds in different parts of the world... ...a shepherd does not, unless the sheep has wandered... ...does not lead sheep individually. A shepherd leads a flock as a whole. But David departs from that language because he personalizes this. He says, but the good shepherd leads me individually... ...uniquely, personally, in paths of righteousness... So again, he stresses this very individual relationship that we can have with the Lord. I hope you see the Lord like that. I hope you recognize that he personally is acquainted with you, loves you individually, knows you by name and everything about us. And David writes here about the shepherds that he leads me, not just the flock in general, though God does that with a lot of people, but uniquely to me, God leads me in the paths of righteousness. And then the other word important there for you to circle or to underline is the word leads. The shepherd leads me in paths of righteousness. A shepherd does not merely send the sheep off in a direction. A shepherd leads the sheep on paths that he chooses. This is a shepherd leading sheep because, again, going back to one of our bullet points from last week, sheep are senseless. And when they are senseless, they need someone to lead them. And so here's what typically would happen. The reason a shepherd needs to lead sheep is because left to their own, sheep will get on a wrong path, and they won't even recognize that they're in harm's way. If, for example, a shepherd is up on a hill, and the sheep are in a valley grazing, and a shepherd calls for the sheep to come, the sheep will instinctively make a line from point A to point B to get to the shepherd, and it has no regard for what obstacles might be in the way. So there might be rocks, and there might be crevices, and there might be debris, and briars, and all kinds of stuff, but when a shepherd calls, the sheep is just going to be, okay, bah, and it's going to just go directly to the shepherd, and and it won't make a zigzag path to avoid all the obstacles that are in harm's way. The opposite direction is true too, by the way, that if a shepherd is in the valley and sheep are on a hillside and a shepherd calls for the sheep to come, they will just go in a straight line. And again, from my story last week, remember when 1,500 sheep went off a cliff in Turkey? Okay, that's the kind of thing they'll do. They won't even recognize, oh, there's a, bah, there's a cliff between me and the shepherd. And they'll just go. They won't, they won't avoid things that could actually be harmful. So the sheep need to be led because left to themselves, they can sometimes get on a harmful path. Can anybody relate? Okay, we are like sheep. And some of you know all too well that when you don't follow the lead of the Lord and you try to do life your way, you get on a pretty harmful path. And so David says here, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Because what he's saying here is God is going to lead us on the right path. It is a good path with God. It is a pleasant path with God. It is a straight path in the sense that it is unencumbered by things that will harm you. In fact, David would write later in Psalm 27:11. He said, teach me your ways, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path. Now, he doesn't mean a straight line like the sheep would do in trying to get to a shepherd. A straight path in biblical language means a path that has no obstacles. Lead me in a straight path. In other words, a path where I'm not going to be harmed, where I'm not going to have regrets. Lead me on a path that is straight in the sense of being a good path. And this is what God does with us. And this kind of language is used in other places in the Bible. For example, in Psalm 143.10, David says, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. That's the idea behind the righteous path or a straight path. That it is unencumbered, that it is level, that it is smooth. Isaiah the prophet would write in Isaiah 26.7, The path of the righteous is level. O upright one, you make the way of the righteous smooth. And so this is the kind of thing that David is writing here in Psalm 23 about paths of righteousness. When we follow the lead of our Lord, our good shepherd will lead us on a good path, on a safe path, on a level path, a path that is smooth. It won't be a harmful path or a destructive path or a painful path or a regrettable path. That most of us end up on when we don't follow the lead of the Lord in our lives. And we try to do life our own way. Instead, God's path is a right path. Lead me in paths of righteousness. And notice, it says in the rest of this verse, For his name's sake. For his name's sake. Why would God lead us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake? Why wouldn't he lead us in paths of righteousness for our sake? Well, the answer to that is this. What David is communicating through this passage is this, that God is good to us, but it is not because it is based on our goodness or our character or our reputation, but it is based on his goodness and his character and his reputation. Aren't you glad that God doesn't respond to your need on the basis of how good you are? God responds to your need on the basis of how good he is. Aren't you glad that God doesn't love you on the basis of how lovely you are? because some of us ain't all that lovely some days. God loves us because it is based on His love, that He is love, and He loves us, despite how unlovely we sometimes are. You see, the idea here is that what God does in our lives is not dependent upon us. You know, we are not helped, healed, saved, delivered. We don't receive all those things because there is some intrinsic value in us, but because it is all the value in Him. He is our protector, our healer, our provider, our Savior, because it is all about His namesake, His character, His reputation. That's why He does what He does for us. He leads us in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And therefore, we need to follow His lead. We need to get on God's path. Some of you are on the wrong path, and you know it, and God knows it, and it's a miserable path that you're on. But if you'll turn to the Lord... And if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, and you follow his lead, and you start to live your life according to his direction, friends, it'll go far better for you than when you try to navigate the murky waters of life on your own. Follow his path. Follow his lead. It is good. It is level. It is safe. It is right. Lead us in paths of righteousness, Lord, for your name's sake. Follow him. Jesus, even using the language of shepherd and sheep in John chapter 10, verse 27, he said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And he adds, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Jesus even talks about how people, people who really listen to him, they will follow him because they know his voice. You learn to incline your ear to the voice of the Lord. The more you know him, you know how it is. You can walk in your house and if a family member is already there, all you have to do is say, I'm home. They don't need to say, who is it? they know your voice. You call a friend on the phone, forget we have caller ID now for everything, but you don't need to identify yourself because a good friend knows you just by your voice. And Jesus said, my sheep will know me. They will know my voice because you develop relationship with them. And you begin to understand his leading and his direction in your life. I I remember being in Israel several years ago and watching a shepherd with tending some sheep and It is amazing. There are some places in Israel where we go where it's almost like you're just going all the way back in time and shepherds typically will still dress, many of them still dress and look like what you, you would imagine they did 2,000 years ago. I mean, with, you know, the long robes and the, and the head scarf and the band and everything. And I remember one time watching, we, we were at a place in Bethlehem where they have the fields there, still the shepherd's fields. And I remember seeing a bunch of sheep together in a flock and a couple of different shepherds. And I thought that both shepherds were tending the same flock, but it turns out one shepherd peeled off and went a separate direction and starts leaving feeding out just the sheep of his flock. And it was interesting. All he had to do was walk about 20 yards and then turn around and start talking to them. And his sheep, unique to him, raised their heads, looked at him, and then walked off. The other sheep related to the other shepherd just stayed grazing. They didn't even move. It was very interesting. And the thing that struck me, two things was, isn't this interesting how those particular sheep that belonged to that particular shepherd knew his voice? And then the other thing that amazed me was, How in the world does sheep know Hebrew? That was incredible. I don't understand that. I mean, I seriously did think... I was in Honduras one time, and I saw a lady call for a dog in Spanish. So how does that dog know Spanish? It's interesting how much we think in our native tongue that everything has to be in English. Like, you think when you go to heaven that all people are going to speak your native tongue, don't you? Do you think in heaven people are going to all speak English? If your native tongue is English? I guarantee you, if your native tongue is Spanish, you're thinking, oh, yes, it's going to be Espanol. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I think there's a heavenly language. Maybe we'll just all learn the same heavenly language and speak the same language. But whatever it is, you know, there, there I was in Bethlehem thinking, this is very unique that sheep know Hebrew. <laughs> well, Jesus says, my sheep know my voice and they follow my lead. If you're on the wrong path, open up your heart to the Lord Jesus and follow his lead. He gave his life on a cross for you. That's how much he loves you. And he wants to lead you on a right path. And it's never too late. I don't care how young you are or how old you are. It's never too late to get your life right with the Lord. Well, into verse 4, he said this, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That's the first part of verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear. Circle that word. I will fear no evil. This first part of the verse here has to do with fear. And the last part of the verse has to do with comfort. So we'll get to that second part of verse 4 in a moment. But first, he's addressing the problem of fear. And remember again, from one of our bullet points about sheep, they are fearful by nature. They are downright neurotic. I mentioned last week they have eyesight that can distinguish colors. And so therefore, certain bright colors startle sheep, especially yellow. If you wear yellow around sheep, they'll run from you. I had a lady between services come to me and she said that she was driving somewhere. I forget where she told me she was driving, but that there was a sheep farm right by the side of the road. So she said she got out and she decided to hop the fence and to try to go pet the sheep. And I said, what happened? She said, as soon as I hopped the fence and I just went, you know, here little sheep, little sheep, little sheep. She said, they just ran away from me. They just tore off. They just tore away. And I said, yeah, because they're afraid. I said, were you wearing yellow? You know, because I don't know. Well, if you were wearing a color that startles them for real, they're going to take off and run. And so they're easily frightened. They also have exceptional hearing. And because they have exceptional hearing, every little sound startles them.
1: Each psalm we read is intended to point us to one thing, the sovereignty of our Creator. Through pain, tears, joy, and praise, we meet a new characteristic of God with each new chapter. Though we don't know the melodies that accompany this collection of old, we benefit from the deeply passionate and poetic words. We hope your soul has been touched by the teaching you heard today on Cornerstone Connection. Pastor Gary Hamrick will return soon with more from this Old Testament book. But in the meantime, you'll be able to find additional messages at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We'd like to encourage you to download our mobile app while you're there, so you can stay connected to God's Word wherever you happen to be. Each day could be made brighter by the love and power of our Lord. And it's so convenient to have it right at your fingertips. If you live in or are visiting the Leesburg area, We'd love for you to come be a part of our weekly worship services on Sundays. Cornerstone Chapel meets at 8:30, 10, and 11:45 a.m. each week, or try our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. For directions and more information, visit CornerstoneConnection.cc. That's all for today, but be sure to join us next time for another in-depth look at the Psalms right here on Cornerstone Connection.
2: that you've got no place to go but still you know,
1: still you know. you're not a